1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and also find your place in Galatians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and Galatians chapter 3. I want to preach you a message this morning. You've been sitting for a while. Stand with me. We're just going to read a couple of verses, so just stand with me if you don't mind here. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, here's what I want to preach. I'm going to preach Christ this morning. Christ. That's it. You say, preacher, everybody's preaching Christ. You turn on the TV, turn on the radio, you'll find better than that. They're preaching prosperity. They're preaching, they're preaching self-help. They're preaching everything but Christ. I want to preach Christ. Let's read what Paul said. And I, brethren, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What is the testimony of God, Paul? For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Simple. Paul had, Paul had depths of wisdom. Paul was a doctor in the law. Paul could speak several different languages. And Paul said, I'll tell you the sum of it, to know Jesus Christ and that he was crucified for my sin. Simple. One doctor had traveled all over the world. He'd studied all the philosophies, he'd studied all the religions, and he came back and they said, what's the deepest philosophy and the deepest thing you can find in all the religions? He said, the deepest thing I can find is this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Wow. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this wonderful group of people who have gathered here this morning to worship you and praise you in song. Thank you for your good spirit. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. Now drive these great truths home to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We have a Bible that is absolutely integrated. Some people say, well, there's too many contradictions in the Bible. There are no contradictions in the Word of God. We have a Bible that is integrated. Integrated. Every word of God is pure. Every word in this book has been put here by integrated design. When we study it properly, there is no contradiction. It all flows together as one. The Bible says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Uh, this book is an integrated book. The Bible says that the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth and purified the seven times. The Bible is a book that is integrated. It was written by over 40 men, 66 books, three continents, three different languages. This book was written by shepherds and kings. It was written by prophets and priests. It was written by uh, uh, the common man, the uneducated like Amos. It was written by the educated like Paul. It was written from places of exile. It was written uh, from prisons and wilderness and caves. Uh, it was written... It, it, in its pages contain history, contain prophecy, contain wisdom. This book is integrated because there is one person that brings this book together in a flawless consistency, and that is Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, this book falls apart, but with Him it comes together in a flawless consistency. We have one God, and His name is Jesus. 
He's the author of our faith. He is the living word. This is the on, on laying on my desk is the written word. But Jesus Christ uh, is, the, is the living word. The same truths in the Old Testament run throughout the New Testament. He's the author of our faith. He'll be the finisher of our faith when we step out uh, on the sunny banks of sweet deliverance. Uh, thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the word of God that convicts. Thank God for the word of God that saves. Hey, friend, uh, this book is uh, the truths that run through the this book is the disobedience of man, yet the obedience of Christ. The Bible says through the disobedience of one, many were made sinners, but through the obedience of one, many are made righteous. And that one that brought sin was Adam. Your forefathers sinned and were disobedient against God. But Christ brought righteousness when he obeyed the law. When he came as the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world. Yes, friend, there is a flawless consistency in the Word of God. Adam's sin brought on. Adam's sin was a sin of disobedience. And God had to shed the first blood that was ever shed in all of eternity to cover Adam's sin with skins. Uh, we find that this, the... the, the uh, Sin had grown and God had to destroy the earth uh, by water. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The recurring theme in the Bible is the rebellion of man, but the redemption of God in Jesus Christ. Many people get confused when they read the Old Testament and they read the New Testament. And they say, preacher... The Old Testament, the God of the Old Testament seems angry. The God of the Old Testament seems rigid. The God of the Old Testament seems like a lawgiver and unforgiving. Yet the same God, if it's the same God in the New Testament, I find Him to be compassionate, loving, kind, forgiving. <laughs> Is it the same God? You better believe it's the same God. Amen. The Bible says that the law, that's the Old Testament, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I get excited when I think about what God has done for us. And so, is it the same God? May I, may I quote to you, every word of God is pure. Amen. What will reconcile these books these, and bring them together in a in a larger, bigger picture of our understanding. I wanted to show you how Christ not only brings the 66 books together, He brings the Old Testament and the New Testament together. He brings the dispensations of God all the way from Adam to uh, the end of Revelation. He brings this book together. It is Jesus Christ who is the author of the book. First of all, we see in the Old Testament, we'll compare the Old Testament and the New. We see the power of God in the Old Testament. The Bible says in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says, and, and, and so we find the power of God. But in the New Testament, in John chapter 1 verse 3, we find that all things, he's talking about Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's the same God. 
The same God that spoke in the Old Testament in power and conviction and gave the law speaks in the New Testament in Jesus Christ and says here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. In the Old Testament, we see the power of the spoken word when God spoke this universe into existence, but we see Jesus Christ step out on the pages of Scripture and the book of Matthew And we find that the power of the spoken word is still powerful because he could speak to demons and they would flee. He could speak to diseases and they were gone. Uh, Hey, Jesus Christ can speak to your fears. See, he can speak to your uh, anxieties. He can speak to you and those things will be gone. Why? He's still the word of God. Glory. He spoke. To legion to show that he was the master over the spiritual. Jesus Christ. He spoke to the physical when he spoke to the fish. And it vomited out a coin for Peter. Amen. He spoke to the emotional. When he told Mary and Martha. He said Lazarus will live again. He spoke to nature. When he walked out. And he looked at the storm. And he said peace be still. Glory. He's God of the spiritual. He's God of the physical. He's God of the emotional. Jesus Christ is God. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was seen in the flesh in Christ Jesus. You say, what are you preaching, preacher? Don't miss it. I'm preaching Christ. Not with man's wisdom. Not with wisdom of words. Not with, not with oh, listen, I'm preaching Jesus Christ. Whether it's the power of God in the Old Testament or the spoken word in the New Testament or the conviction of the Spirit today, the question is, before we move to the second point, have you responded to His voice? His voice that spoke the world into existence. His voice that spoke in the New Testament and all those things, miracles happened. Have you responded to His voice today? You say, preacher, where is His voice? It's a still, small voice. It says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It's a still, small voice that's calling and says, Jesus Christ came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Praise God. In the Old Testament, we see the power. In the New Testament, we see the person. Number two, in the Old Testament, we see the sovereignty. In the New Testament, we see the Savior. God was on his throne in the Old Testament. He had at his side the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ on one side. On the other side, he had the Holy Spirit, which had not been fully given until the day of Pentecost. In his sovereignty in the Old Testament, he chose Abraham. He chose Abraham in his sovereignty. Why? Because Abraham would be obedient to his word. Because Abraham would teach his children. And God made a sovereign choice to choose Abraham. And he called Abraham Israel. And he caused Abraham to be become a great nation and he said I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you a land don't miss this the Old Testament is God preparing a people for a land and a land for a people the Old Testament is God preparing a land for a people and the people 
for a land. And because of Abraham's obedience, God made him some promises. Let me read you one of those promises in Genesis chapter number 17. The Bible says, And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. I have in my hand this morning not only a Bible that tells me how to get to heaven, I have a Bible that tells me that the Jew owns the land of Canaan. This is the deed book to it. Amen. And, and the president can say he's going to come up with a, a two-state solution and they're going to honor the Arabs and the Jews and all this other stuff. And the next president will say the same thing and they'll never settle it. But there's coming a king of kings and a lord of lords. And I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a one-state solution and Israel's going to own the land that God promised them in Genesis chapter 17. You better believe it, friend. I'm going to tell you something. Bring that to the New Testament. God didn't promise us a, he didn't promise us a physical land. He promised us a spiritual land. Praise God. And I got news for you. The demons in hell can't stop it. The president can't stop it. Nuclear war can't stop it. The world coming to an end can't stop it. Jesus Christ has made us some promises. And I'm headed to a land. Praise God. <laughs> There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. Can I tell you the whole summation of what is going on in the Middle East is the devil trying to break the promises of God. He's trying to interfere with Israel's sovereignty. He's trying to interfere with Israel being a land, praise God. But I got news for you. He is not going to be successful. In the Old Testament, God was on his throne. In the New Testament, God comes down in the person of Jesus Christ. For he is Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. God Almighty left his throne. God Almighty became a man. You say that makes him a demi-God, a half-man, a half-God. No, it doesn't. It makes him all God and all man, praise God. God was using in the Old Testament that nation that he formed in the promises of Abraham. God was using that nation to bring us a Savior, praise God. <laughs> I got news for you. The Christian who says... I don't like the Jew. They got a spiritual problem. Then people brought us the Savior, amen. By the way, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he, the, the, listen, you know what he was? He was a Jew. And you know what he said? He said, the sa this same Jesus that you see going is the same one coming again. I got news for you. When he comes back, he'll still be a Jew. You're welcome. Amen. God was on the throne. God used the nation of Israel. Jesus was Abraham's creator, but Jesus was Abraham's son. But mind-boggling, is it not? God was in Christ, the Bible says, reconciling the world unto himself. And Jesus Christ comes. The Jews misunderstand his first coming. Don't miss this. The Jews are sitting here and they know that God's promised them a land. They know that God's given them Old Testament promises. They're waiting for a Messiah and Jesus Christ steps on the scene and they think he's going to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament about the land. That wasn't why he came. He will do that, but that wasn't why he came the first time. They were expecting him to, to uh, become king then and to take the throne from Rome and restore the nation unto them. But John the Baptist knew why he came. 
John looked at him when he was baptizing in the Jordan River. He saw the Lord Jesus coming and he said, I want you to see something, folks. I want you to see you followed me to the Jordan River. I've baptized you, but I want to tell you something. There's coming one mightier than I whose shoe latch that I'm not worthy to bow down and unloose. And he looked at Jesus Christ and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. John got it. John got it. They missed it, but John got it. Hey, he didn't come as the lion of the tribe of Judah from the Old Testament. He came as the Lamb of God that would take your sin and your sin and my sin and He would nail it to the cross, praise God, that you and I might go free, that we might have a substitute, that we might be made righteous with God. Praise God for Jesus. He's here this morning. Praise God. So the Bible says, Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In the Old Testament, Christ was the sovereign. In the New Testament, he was the Son. They are one and the same. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. The Old Testament is Christ the Creator. The New Testament is Christ the Redeemer. The Old Testament, we see Christ with a sword. Joshua saw him as the captain of God's army. David saw him with a sword raised in his hand. But I'm going to tell you what's in his hand in the New Testament. It's nails. They were driven in his hands and in his feet. That's what's in his hands in the New Testament. And they were driven there because you and I put them there. Our sin put Jesus on the cross. Oh, my. In the Old Testament, we find him in the fire with the three Hebrew children. And there's no harm coming to him. Not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. In the New Testament, we find that he was harmed. He was, he was spit on. He was scourged. He was beaten. He, uh, the blood ran from his brow, ran from his body, and a sword pierced his side. And he was crucified for me and you. Christ, what are you preaching, Christ. In the Old Testament, we see shadows and glimpses of Christ. But in the New Testament, he steps out on the pages of Scripture as the Savior of the world. Glory to God. In the Old Testament, he was law, third point. In the New Testament, he was love. We go back to the Old Testament where God is still dealing with. What's he dealing with in the Old Testament? A people for a land and a land for a people. He's dealing with the nation of Israel. And Pharaoh, Pharaoh is after God's people, and Moses leads God's people right to the brink of the Red Sea. Before them is the Red Sea. Behind them is the armies of Pharaoh. They have nowhere to go, nowhere to escape. It absolutely looks hopeless. You're talking about anxiety. You're talking about stress. You're talking about, and Moses is going, God, you led us here, and there's no where to go i can't see your plan i can't see your purpose i can't see anything in the future i can't see anything in the past it's just it is just i am full of anxiety <laughs> and god said moses stretch your rod out over the red sea and he did and it parted praise god i'm going to tell you something folks there's times in our life when there's nothing in front of us but the sea and nothing behind us but Pharaoh's army and God's still able. The God of the Old Testament who had the power has the person in the New Testament. If you'll get on board with Jesus Christ, he'll part your waters, praise God. The law in the Old Testament was unforgiving. The law, the law was given to Moses, I quoted that. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the Old Testament, the soul that sinneth, it shall 
die. Pretty harsh, isn't it? It's the book. So what's going on, preacher? God gives, God gives his law to Moses. What is he doing? He's dealing with a people now. Don't forget this. He's dealing with the nation of Israel. Who is Moses? He's the product of Abraham. And God, Abraham and, and Moses comes right on through. And God is giving him a law. Why did God give the law? To keep people from acting like animals. You know why we're acting like animals today? You know why we're murdering the unborn? We're, we're about ready to murder the born. Oh. Why do we act like animals today? Because we're taught that we came from animals, friend. And God gives a standard and says, here's my standard in the Old Testament. You better live up to it because the soul that sinneth it shall die. You know what would happen if they killed a baby in the Old Testament? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, friend. Huh. God's standard gives, God gives a standard. But wait a minute. God's standard's too high. I can't keep, listen, I can't keep God's standard. I'm just as guilty as the, uh, as the doctor who aborted 1,200 babies. Amen. I'm just as guilty of sin as a homosexual on the streets today. You say, preacher, absolutely. I'm just as guilty of sin. The Bible says all have sinned. I've got a nice suit on this morning. Lisa rolled the, the lint roller over me. Praise God, I brushed my teeth. I feel pretty good, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm a sinner. The law, what are you saying, preacher? The law was too high. The standard was too high. But God gives a way out. What was it? The blood. And in the Old Testament, when they offered that blood sacrifice, that lamb, that goat, that, that pigeon, that turtle dove, that bull, it was looking forward to the cross of Jesus Christ. And they got under the blood. And God said, you know what? Because of that blood, I'll roll your sin forward another year. Day of atonement, roll that sin forward another year. And then all of a sudden, that, all of that sin gets rolled on Jesus Christ. You mean the Old Testament sin? Absolutely. He died for the sin of the world, past, present, and future. Amen. Thank God well to be swinging off the ceiling fans. We have a Savior who loved us. Law was unforgiving, and God's standards was too high. Look at Galatians 3. I'll have to close here. I've got so much more I want to preach this morning, but time's out. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10. Well, this drives it home for me. I hope it drives it home for you as we close the message. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Old Testament. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Anybody want to stand up and say, I'm not guilty of any point in the law? I mean, neither. <laughs> hey. Look at verse number 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall 
live by faith. The law could condemn us. The law could show us we were guilty. The law could show us that we deserved hell. But the law could not save us. We couldn't keep it. And if you broke one point of the law, 614 aspects of the law, and if you broke one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. That don't sit well with some people. That's the Word of God. That's why you and I are just as dirty, filthy, praise God. Without Jesus Christ, you and I are just as dirty, filthy as the drunk on the street this morning. But thank God for Christ who washes, who cleanses. See, watch this, verse number 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. But I like the next verse. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Watch this, that the blessing of Abraham from the Old Testament might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. Hey, friend, in the Old Testament, God covered Adam's and Eve's sin uh, with the skins of animals. The innocent died for the guilty. When he came on through, God covered Abraham when he told him to sacrifice Isaac. Uh, and he was about to sacrifice his own son Isaac. And he looked, and there was a ram caught in the tree. And God said, don't slay your own son. Go get the ram out of the tree. What's God doing? He's covering him with blood. Uh, God covered the nation of Israel. Israel with blood uh, when they escaped the, the uh, Egyptians uh, in the Exodus and God said take the blood and, and put it over the doorposts and the lentils and I'll cover you and I'll pass over you it's the blood uh, praise God God covered the law in the tabernacle when you went into the tabernacle you could find the shoe bread you could find the light you could find the table you could find the altar but praise God if you went inside the holy of holies you'd find the blood the Bible says without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin. And praise God here in verse number 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. I tell you when he hung on the tree he was cursed of man. When he hung on the tree he was cursed of God. When he hung on the tree he was cursed by my sin and your sin. He looked down through the ages and saw me and you needing a Savior. Praise God. What are you preaching preacher? I'm preaching Christ and it's glorious. Glory to God. Why did the sovereign become the Savior? Why did the lawgiver become the lover? Why did the man with all the power become the person? I tell you, because the old song said this, Love caused the Savior to Calvary go. Love like has never been known. Freely he died that through him we might live. He is more precious than gold. Christ Christ. In this Old Testament, I'll give you the point, but I won't preach it. In the Old Testament, we find the majesty of God. In the New Testament, we find the mercy of God. In the Old Testament, the majesty of God. Elijah said, I'd like to see you. And God said, I'll have to put you in the cleft. Why? His majesty. Just the, just the very 
The Bible says no man can look on God and live his majesty. Oh, imagine this God with all this power to create. Imagine this God with all this holiness. Imagine this God in all of his majesty. Beginning his majesty in the New Testament, we find his mercy. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've experienced his mercy, and it's great. Why did Jesus Christ have to shed his blood? Because I've shed blood. My sin. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. And Jesus goes on and tells us, if you hate your brother without a cause, you're guilty of murder. You know what that is? Bloodshed. Why did Jesus Christ have to shed his blood? Because you and I are guilty of bloody sin. Amen. That he might be, the Bible says, a merciful and faithful high priest. And may I say to you as I close, I did not see the Red Sea parted in the majesty of God in the Old Testament. But I've seen me parted and I felt my sin parted from me. Praise God. I'd rather have my sin gone and see the Red Sea parted. What are you saying, preacher, when I was just a little boy? I got under conviction of the Holy Spirit. I came to God. I bowed down at the altar. I cried to Jesus Christ, and something was raised from me. The guilt, the shame, the worry of hell, the anxiety, everything that the conviction of God was lifted in a moment. I'd rather know that as know the Red Sea was parted. I've not seen the fire fall from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. But I've had the fire of the conviction of God fall on my heart. And I know when I've done wrong. And I know when I've said wrong. And I know when I've acted wrong. And by the way, that ain't past. That's present. Amen. If I do something, this, I mean the Lord, he don't let me buy nothing. He may, he may y'all, but he don't me. Amen. There's something wrong, people. Spiritually, there's something wrong. I've not seen the walls of Jericho fall at the simple sound of a trumpet, but I've seen the walls of partition broken down on the cross of Calvary where Jesus Christ died for my sin, and the Bible said he's broken down the middle wall of partition that separated God from us. Hey, friend, thank God. What are you preaching? I'm preaching Christ. (laughs) I've not seen giants loom in front of me 16, 18 foot tall. But I've seen some mighty big things. And I'm going to tell you something. I've got a God who was the God of the Old Testament. He was the God in the Garden of Eden. He was the God in the Exodus. He was the God of Jeremiah. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, of Jacob. He's the God and Father of Jesus Christ. And he can handle your problem too. Thank God for his spirit this morning. I wonder, dear friend, as we slow down for an invitation time, are you saved? Do you know this Jesus I'm preaching about? Oh, you see, preacher, I've come to church this morning. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you're here. You see, preacher, I t- actually took my Saturday bath. And so did I. I'm so glad you did. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're But listen to me. I'm telling you, I preach Christ as hard as I can preach him. And without him, dear friend, you have no hope. 
Oh, my. You're without God. Oh, but I know this, and I do this, and I go here, and I go there, and I, I don't care. Without Jesus Christ, you are lost. Oh. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning as we slow down, thank you for your attention. I don't hold long invitations. If you're visiting with us, don't worry. Here's what I want to do. If you're lost, I want you to move. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you please move out? Brian over here's got a Bible waiting to meet you, show you how to be saved, show you how to miss out on hell, show you how to get rid of your guilt. That thing that you've done that sticks out in your mind that says it's, it's separated you from God, maybe it has. But I'm going to tell you something. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. That means you have a lawyer in heaven. And if you, how do you say, preacher, how do I get to that lawyer? Well, you don't have to go to the office. And you don't have to pay a big fee. All you got to do is come fall on your knees and ask Christ to save you.